Tvamera mata cha pita tvamera Tvamera bandhu cha sakha tvamera Tvamera vidya dravinam tvamera Tvamera saravam mamadera dera I bow to that one God in father, mother, friend, companion, everything and in you. Let me read today from Conversations with Yogananda. Make sure I have it right. Yes. Yogananda Ji said, I usually know when God wants me to save someone, he said. I then show particular interest. If that person doesn't respond, I accept it as God's will. That is to say, as that person's non-acceptance of God's will. But if he accepts the help God extends to him through me, I know he will be saved. God teaches through those who love him purely and have surrendered themselves completely to him. The end of every person's story, however, depends on that person himself. Everyone has the sacred right of free will. In the next saying, which I'd like to read also, it goes on to say in the above connection, I remember the master one afternoon devoting a considerable amount of time to a casual visitor. He answered all the young man's questions and gave him more words of advice than I'd ever heard him share with a newcomer before. As far as I know, the man never returned. My reading of that particular situation was that the man felt in his heart and indeed demonstrated outwardly a certain openness to the master's vibration. But after his departure, worldly desires reawakened within him, enclosing him once again in the fog of delusion. Delusion it is that causes people to cling to their old, so-called comfortable ways of thinking and living. Still, the Master must have seen in that visitor some potential for awakening, for it was never his way to speak of these matters casually. The minds of most human beings are like the sky on a partly cloudy day. The mental clouds may part for a time and let in the sunlight of clarity. But unless those people deliberately seek out the bright spots and bask in their warmth, the clouds close in again and hide behind mists of worldly karma the sunlight of clarity. Now, mind you, the whole spiritual path is really a matter of removing the obstacles between you and truth. And those obstacles are karma, karmic tendencies, desires, things that you have done in the past that haven't yet been fulfilled. I one time asked Master something because he said all desires have to be fulfilled. I was quite shocked. I said, sir, you mean even a casual desire I may have had for a bowl of ice cream? He said, oh, yes. And that's kind of scary when you think of all the desires that passed through a person's heart in his lifetime. But the beautiful thing, and I, I mentioned this before too, that 
when the when the flow of God and Kriya Yoga is a way of helping that flow, the flow of grace, when it's strong, it just washes everything away. So don't worry too much about turning every molecule, worry too much about turning every little thing in a north-south direction so everything is aligned toward God. The most important thing is to love Him. Far more important than any kind of yoga technique. Love God deeply. And yoga should be a means of helping you to love Him more deeply. I've seen, unfortunately, many yogis who become proud. They sort of I can do this, I can do that, I have powers or powers of concentration. They take it to their egos. That's not trying to help them. A true yogi is humble, he's childlike. He doesn't have any pretensions. That's all of these qualities I saw in my great guru. He was so humble and yet so strong. So full of God and yet there was no Yogananda there. As he used to say, I killed Yogananda long ago. No one dwells in this temple now but God. <coughs> now we have to make that effort. God's not going to do it for us. And this is where too many people in religion think that God's, it's the truth that God's grace does it. But what you've got to do is open yourself to that grace. That takes all your effort. It's sort of like the sun coming down onto the side of a building. The sun is the same, but if you have your curtains drawn shut and your windows closed, the heat and the warmth of the sun won't come in. You have to open up those curtains. You have to open up those windows. We have to make the effort to clear away our minds, and that's not quite so simple as just merely wishing it, unfortunately. Oh yes, God has made a very complex show. He's a master craftsman, a master dramatist. And so, the effort of clearing away the debris, the effort of sheer effort of opening up those curtains, you see, in real life, it's not just one curtain, it's many curtains. Each one that you remove, however, the light becomes clearer, less opaque, until finally you see the sunlight. And so all these koshas, all these sheaths that enclose the soul, enclose the ego, and make us think that uh, we are just separate from everybody else, that we are we, and we define ourselves by our personalities, desires, and so on. These things, bit by bit, they get washed away by devotion, by meditation, by Kriya Yoga, by Guru's help on our behalf. But it's amazing to see over the years how bit by bit clarity begins to come. Things that you thought you could never overcome. You begin gradually to see, well, that isn't who I am. There's no strain involved. It's not difficult. When you feel the divine love in your heart, you don't have to sit there with a notebook. Oh, love is... You just think, my God, it's obvious. And so, in your meditation, you will see that qualities that you've worked on, and sometimes despairingly thinking, I'll never change. But if you keep at it, all of a sudden you'll see that it just isn't there anymore. 
You won't recognize yourself someday as the same person you are now. You are not anything that you define as you. You know, there's an interesting allegory in the Old Testament of the Jewish religion, well, the Christians, and um, to some extent, I think the Muslims also uh, embrace it. But it's when the Jews were able to escape from Egypt, and they were seeking the promised land, the land which God had promised them. It's all allegorical. No one wandering in the desert would be allowed, who had been born in captivity, would be allowed to enter the promised land. Even Moses, he wasn't allowed to enter it. He was only allowed to see it from afar. All those qualities that had been born in the wilderness, all those people, I should say, who had been born in the wilderness were allowed to enter the promised land. Now, the deep allegory here is, is simply this, that in your meditation, your, the qualities that come to you spontaneously in meditation, those are the things you can take with you into the kingdom of God. Devotion, love, humility, peace, calmness, understanding, acceptance. These are your true self. But those qualities that were born in your captivity to ego, those qualities of, because we're all sort of like, as the Bhagavad Gita puts it, we're a nation. Each one of us is a nation with all these different qualities that uh, we have developed over many incarnations. These born of delusion, born of captivity, the qualities of anger and hatred and jealousness, no, you don't have to name them all. We know them, but they aren't your real self. They were the ones that were born out of your identity with the world around you. And if you can, in your meditation, gradually get away from that. Don't ever say in your meditation, don't ever think of yourself as just I, or how far away I am from God. Always affirm, I am He. It's a very good meditation to think of yourself as infinite. One of the greatest poems, maybe I'll read that one of these days, is my master's poem on Samadhi. I don't know another mystical poem in, in any language that explains so graphically the experience of Samadhi, where it's not just sort of an emptiness. It's not something you can't describe at all. It's that in which everything is contained and bliss inconceivable. As he says in one line of that poem, from joy I came, for joy I live, in sacred joy I melt. I, a tiny wave of laughter, and become the ocean of mirth itself. This is what you need to think of yourself even when you meditate. Don't get there before God and saying, oh, my papi, oh, I'm a sinner, I'm no good. No. Say, I'm a child of God. Don't allow the karmas of the past to hold you down. Because in the end, that is not who you are. So the beautiful thing with my guru was that he saw that quality in all who came to us. I had a funny experience years ago. I was 
he told me he had me lecturing when I was 22 years old already, and I was pretty young, and I looked younger. And most of the people who were hearing me were 40 and older. And so to make me look a little bit more, well, more dignified, a little older, he had me grow a beard. And because in those days not very many people had beards, in fact, just about nobody, at least in, in America, um, somebody saw me and thought, well, he, he would be perfect for a pageant that we're going to have at our uh, function, uh, acting the part of Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. Well, fortunately, I didn't have to do anything. I just sort of sat by this rock at Gethsemane and haived a heavy sigh every now and then. It was uh, not a big deal. Anyway, later, um, Guruji said that people thought I really looked the part. And I remember saying to him, well, I'd much rather be like Jesus Christ than look like him. You know what he said? It was a joke on my part. And most people would say, ha, ha, ha. He said, very, very definitely. He said, that will come. I don't mean he said it to me as a promise to me. That's how he saw you. That's how he saw everybody. He came into this world not to be with a bunch of crooks. He came to see, because he saw the potential Christ, the potential Kutasta Chaitanya, the Krishna and everybody. He came to help us to remember who we are. He came to help us to affirm who we are. He never let us talk about our weaknesses. He always said, I am strong. We must do that. There is a poem, a song that his guru, Swami Sri Keshwar Giri, used to sing, Satsangas both is calling, who'll go, who'll go, if no one else will go, I will go. And there is a song of Rabindranath Tagore, and I'm not sure I have the word right, but it sounds right because it's Bengali. Ekkalacholo. Go on alone. Go on alone. That kind of consciousness. Don't worry about what other people think. People are much too dependent on other people's opinions. If you have courage, live by what you are. Oh my God, when I came to my guru, what a storm of protest from my relatives. Everybody thought I was completely crazy, and of course, it was a natural and easy thought to have. I myself had never even heard words like karma or yoga or all these words that are common in Sanatana Dharma. I'd never heard them a week before. I read his book, I said, that's it. I took the next bus to him. I said, I want to be your disciple. And that has been my firm decision. My father did his best to make fun of it. I wrote to him finally. I said, please don't make me choose between you and God. Because you've been my father, you are my father. But he's been my father for eternity. If you force me to choose, I have no choice. Please don't make me choose. So from then on, he said nothing. But you've got to be firm. You've got to say that I know what I have to do, and then do it. Don't worry about the opinions of other people. Go on alone. Be strong in yourself. And you will find in time that many people come to agree with you. Because everybody's going around looking for somebody who believes in something. 
Nobody really believes in anything. They just sort of borrow their beliefs. You see them coming out of a cowboy western, sort of striding as if they were still riding a horse. Imitation. They don't take their values from inside. Be true to God. Be true to yourself. Go on alone. Joy to you. Walk like a man Even though you walk alone Why court approval Once the road is known Let come who will But if they all turn home The goal still awaits you Seek free.